Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Maya Little Sonia, and I'm the Youth Minister at St. Paul's Cathedral. Hello, everyone. I am new to the podcast this week. My name is Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are so excited to have Charlotte here with us. Uh, and as you all know, Jackie is has transitioned out of her role as the digital resource curator and podcast uh, content creator with us uh, to be an Air Force chaplain full time. So we're excited for Jackie, and I'm sure yeah. I'm sure she's listening to the podcast wherever she is. So <laughs> that's good to know. Um, but Charlotte, would you, would you like to say something about yourself and uh, tell the people who you are, where you are, what you do, things like that? Well, currently I am in sunny Coronado, California. Mm. I am the youth missioner for the Diocese of San Diego, um, which basically means that I provide programming and support for all of the Episcopal churches within the San Diego area um, as they relate to youth ministry. Mm. It's a really fun job, and I get to work closely with Maya in that job. Mm -hmm. And now that you're a Good Samaritan, closely with you as well, David. So I'm really excited about this new collaborative piece. Yeah. I'm so excited. And I'm also very excited about uh, Faith to Go and where we're going with Faith to Go. And uh, as 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 Faith to Go's next chapter of its life unfolds, we'll be sharing that with with all you people out in podcast land and church mm-hmm. land, yes, wherever you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you are one of the two listeners in India, we would love to hear from you. I just want to know who you are, where you're listening to the podcast. How did you find it? You know. Do you go to an Anglican church? I don't know. I just want to know something about you. So please email us. Please. Uh, and you can email us with any kind of questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion to faith2go at stpaulcathedral.org, or you can uh, direct message us through Instagram at faith2go, or you can get in contact with us through the website, myfaith2go.org, where you can also find all of this week's faith2go resources if you use those. Um, so let us know, uh, what your, what your week of faith discussion has been like. Uh, and again, we're so excited, um, for Charlotte to be on the podcast with us. Uh, I don't know if Charlotte will be on the podcast every week, but you know, regularly, semi-regularly. I'll do my best. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you'll be a rotation. We're just going week by week at this point. Uh, okay. So um, like I said, our uh, Faith to Go resources and our discussion today will be about this week's upcoming gospel reading, which for you all following in your liturgical calendars is proper 10 for the week of July 14th and in year C, and year C is Luke's year. So as we continue into ordinary time or the time between Pentecost and Advent, uh, we continue to read into Luke's gospel. So this week, the gospel is Luke 10, uh, verses 25 to 37. And uh, Charlotte is going to read the gospel for us, and then we are each going to take uh, a moment to highlight a point from the gospel that we hope you take into your faith discussions and reflections this week. Uh, so Charlotte is going to read, and then we'll get into it. Sounds good. So from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. 
Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. All right, I think this is a story that it's pretty universal that everyone recognizes and knows the story, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's also so common that we, that, you know, it's kind of like we use this term Good Samaritan in any kind of context, really. It doesn't have to be religious. People will say anytime somebody does something nice for someone, they say they're a Good Samaritan. Uh, though mm-hmm. they're often not from Samaria. But, you know, that's <laughs> fine. Um, anyway... Uh, that colloquialism kind of goes along with a person that is helping someone else. But there's a whole lot of dynamics going on in this story that aren't readily apparent and and that you really, a first century Jewish person would, would understand, uh, but we don't necessarily understand because it's not explained by, by the writer of Luke's gospel. So this this story is really extreme in a lot of ways, but it doesn't necessarily it's hard to get that you know 2,000 years later for our context Um, but what's happening is that the Samaritans and the Jews used to be one you know one group they were all the Hebrew people that became this the kingdom of Israel that eventually split into two into north and south and then the main sticking point for these two groups became which, whether Mount Gerizim in the north or uh, Jerusalem in the south was the place where the real temple was, where real worship of God happened. And so this, at this point in history, in Jesus' time, these two groups of people are completely estranged from one another. And so much so that there's just kind of open hostility between the two. And we can assume that the man is... Uh, from Judea, and and the, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is in Judea. And it also means that this Samaritan man was in hostile territory. So um, so my the point I wanted to make comes from 
uh, it's really verse 28 is the very, it's the first half of the story in this interaction between Jesus and the lawyer. And the thing that jumped out to me was this slight, very slight difference in the question that the lawyer asks Jesus and the answer that Jesus gives uh, at the end of that interaction before he starts telling the story. And it was cool because it, he, the, the teacher asks, well, the lawyer asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, this is the lawyer testing Jesus, uh, a lawyer being, you know, like a Jewish law official, someone that really knows the law well. So Jesus's response is to say, well, what, you know, you clearly know the law, you've read it. What, is, what do you see in the law as being the, you know, the thing that you must do in order to inherit eternal life? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. And that jumped out to me this time because it, it's not what the guy, the man asked, how do I inherit eternal life? But Jesus doesn't say, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will inherit eternal life. Jesus says, do this and you will live. And this is something that I, that I really love about Jesus that I, you know, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick a specific example of it right off the top of my head, but that we've seen Jesus do before and he does a lot, which is trying to like bring, bring this whole relationship with God, this whole relationality between people, the whole kind of arc of salvation back to the present moment, so that when the man asks about eternal life, he's asking about something that he needs to do, like a law that he can follow in order to receive and earn eternal life at a later date. Because that's what he's talking about, is that how do I continue to live this eternal life after I die? And what Jesus, Jesus responds by saying, do this and you will live now. You know, this isn't some thing that you need to do in order for you to inherit eternal life later. This is the thing you need to do in order to be alive now, today. And and then goes on, you know, as he asks him, well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus, you know, tells the story of the Good Samaritan. But what Jesus is saying is that this is this is the only way to actually be alive. This is the way to live. And the way to live is to do what this this person in this story is doing in, in terms of relating with their neighbor and recognizing their interrelatedness with, with everyone, regardless of which group that person is a part of. And so I think it's so important for us, this story, you know, this story is true because it is so universal. And this truth that Jesus is telling us is something that is so human because what he's pushing it back against is that human instinct toward towards tribalism the human instinct towards you know bracketing off my selected group and hating everything else and saying you know my the people standing in my little circle of salvation are the ones that are saved everyone else is not and that that's just a very human instinct it doesn't have it it doesn't any religion has has experienced that and continues to experience that um but what Jesus is saying here is that not only are you called to love 
your neighbor as yourself, but that person who is your neighbor is the very person that you've been told your whole life is not. That, that person that you think is the is outside of the love of God, that person that is outside your requirement to be in relationship, the person that you've been told is the enemy that has been demonized is your neighbor and the one that you are called to be in relationship with. And not only that, but like the Samaritan is in is not in Samaria. He's doing this whole thing in Judea. You're called out of your comfort zone, you know, to go and be in relationship with those other people. So as long as you're sticking to your personal salvation project, Thomas Merton used to call it, as long as you're stuck in your little box, you are not alive. And it's not about eternal life. It's about living now. And and I, I just, I love that small tweak that Jesus does to teach that. Yeah. And I would agree with that, David, and also add to it that it's not even just the people that we are told are outside of our our relationship area or outside of what's acceptable, but it's also the people that we say that about to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we label people as other and outside all of the time, and until we draw a circle that includes everyone, we continue to set someone outside of it. Right. Absolutely. Well, my point was kind of examining perhaps the reasons why the Levite and the priest did not stop and assist the man. I mean, obviously a certain level of apathy was involved because if they really cared, like, oh, I don't know, I can't say that. But for the priest, he might have thought to himself, because if this man has been beaten so severely, one can assume that there was blood. And he's probably maybe rationalized in his head why he won't help this person that is dying. Like, because I don't know, I don't, I think there's very few people that can look at a maimed body and not react in any sort of way at all, you know? Um, So he might've rationalized in his head, not doing anything perhaps because, well, there's blood. So if I, I touch him, I'd be breaking the law. Or, or maybe even he's dead because maybe he might be unconscious. Um, so if he's dead, then he's also like, I also can't touch him because, you know, he's unclean as a corpse. And the Levite also probably, which was a priestly class, might have also thought the same thing. And they were kind of, I guess, justifying their own actions by adhering to the law. And, you know... That's another point to get into at another point, I suppose, about when we might when we might be called to break the law and whatnot, or what is expected of us in a certain situation or mandated by us. Um, but I I think it's interesting to examine then it, what could you have done even if not bandage his wounds and carry him to an inn? How might we stand in solidarity with people even if we can't? for whatever reason that we rationalize in our head, whether it's legitimate or not, but how can we help people even if we somehow are prohibited in doing so in a sluggish way, right? So we might not be able to go for whatever reason and bring him to the end, but is, can we, you know, 
bring awareness to this issue? Could they have notified someone? Could they have somehow, I don't know if this would have been the smartest thing, but they could have um, deposited funds or something. I don't know if that would have been practical, but doing just, I think we're called to discern and figure out how we can help. Even instead of just resigning to ourselves, oh, well, that's a sad situation and I can't help because X, Y, Z. And some of those things are really legitimate reasons, right? But continuing to push and discern how we can help, even if we can't help in a super big way. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, that leads right into my point, um, which mine comes right conveniently at the very end, which is when Jesus asks at the end, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. So mercy is such an interesting premise, and it's a word that we hear a lot. Um, it's, I mean, it's prevalent in all forms of conversations, not just biblical ones. And mercy can mean, I think that we can make it mean a lot of different things. But as I considered this and the showing of mercy, I went directly to the dictionary because I, was, I wanted to really honor what the intent of that word is. And if you look mercy up, it says it's compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So showing mercy isn't necessarily just doing the good deed. It's recognizing that you have power over the situation, power to help or power to harm, and that mercy can be applied in that situation um, in a number of different ways. Mercy can be in, mercy could be applied strictly in a kind word, um, which goes right back to connecting what you're talking about, Maya. Sometimes just the ability to sit and to be with someone who is suffering is the greatest gift of mercy because they feel so lost and without power. Um, it's not always about the big extravagant act of mercy. Sometimes the compassion of sitting with another human being is a tremendous gift of mercy in and of its own right. But in this story, if we go back to this story of the good Samaritan, him, there were so many instances of power and power that went awry um, or was used for ill, so to speak. And the, it's listed right there in that last line that I read where it says that he fell into the hands of the robbers. And by using the word fell, it's the loss of power, right? He lost his power to these robbers who beat and maimed and took everything from him and left him to die on the road. So he was officially powerless, mm -hmm. which meant that every person that walked by him, every person that encountered him over and over again, every person in that story had more power than this man who was lying bleeding on the road. Now, whether that power was used for mercy or in this instance, I would say it was more likely apathy, mm -hmm. um, or fear, who knows, um, what the reason was that they walked by, that they walked around the person who was hurt and was injured, but that was an exercising of power. It just was not the power of mercy. Mm -hmm. So when the Samaritan comes down the road, and instead of walking around the man and continuing on his journey, instead he chose to step outside of what was comfortable, to step through his fear and to show mercy to this injured person on the road, to bandage his wounds, to put him on his own animal, to take him to an inn. I mean, over and over again, his cup just overflowed with the mercy and the love that he showed to this man that he had no prior relationship with, for to this man who was definitely the other 
to him um, is one of the greatest demonstrations of the power of love, the power of honoring your neighbor, um, and the power of living, as David said in the beginning, into this life in which we are called right now. Um, and I think that to tie it all back together, the very last line in this parable that we hear from Jesus is Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. And if that's not a charge about how we choose to live our lives right now, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that I was thinking while you were, where you were saying that about mercy is that it's not just in the face of suffering like the inaction of the people in the face of suffering is in itself, in a way, violent because this person exactly. is dying. So inaction is not just a neutral act; it is it is mm-hmm. actively hindering this person's well being. And so that well, so that the that mercy is not just not doing any more harm, but actually being inactive is harming this person because they are dying, <laughs> they are suffering. And so in the face right. of suffering, in the face of oppression, inaction on our part is in itself harmful, even though it may not, we may not think that that is true. But it is, a, it, is a, it is a characteristic of our power to be able to think that inaction is not harmful, when it really is in the face of oppression and suffering. Absolutely. And you hear stories of that all the time. You hear stories of people raising their hands and saying, well, I didn't do it. I I wasn't party to it. I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And the answer in that quite often is, well, did you stop it? Mm -hmm. Well, did you Mm -hmm. tell someone? Well, did, and so again and again, mercy comes back to the fact that it's an action, Mm -hmm. right? That, that mercy is an action. It's, you have a choice to show compassion or forgiveness towards someone Mm -hmm. whom, is within your power to punish or to harm. And maybe you punish or harm by being inactive. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the physical harm that you're causing. Maybe it's your own inactivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so that's three points already. That's amazing how fast that yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So number one was my point uh, about Jesus calling us not to this eternal life salvation project uh, in the end times, but something living that is now to life in the kingdom of heaven uh, through this story. Um, Number two was um, Maya's about the way that that we are called to those acts of mercy as big or as small as we are capable of, of of being. And so that it's not just about going out every day and saving the day for everybody, but it is definitely about doing something. Uh, and not being inactive, which led to number three point, which was Charlotte's, and that it was about mercy and the the power that is implicit in this idea of mercy and the and the act, the active nature of mercy that it, it that it involves action and not just letting be what is. So, having heard that discussion and those three points, uh, Charlotte's going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. 
But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of the robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. All right, that is our podcast for this week of July 14th, proper 10 in year C. Um, Make sure to go check out all of those Faith to Go resources at www.myfaithtogo.org. You can also uh, email us or get in contact with, with us with any of your stories of reflection or faith discussions from this week, any comments or questions you have. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at faithtogo at stpaulcathedral.org, contact us through the website, or message us on Instagram at faith2go. Make sure to also go rate and review this podcast uh, to help other people find it. And until next week, say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.